Okay, good evening, everybody. So welcome, and uh, this is our, our second Zen 101 uh, evening, the first Monday of the, uh, pardon me, first Tuesday of the month is uh, our Zen 101 and Q&A. So we're doing departing a little bit, and we're going to get right into the, to the talk, and then uh, we'll do some we'll do some sitting afterwards and we'll do some Q&A after the talk. So our speaker tonight is Marlon Schmidt and Marlon, welcome and the floor is yours. Thank, well, thank you. Thank you very much for you again. And uh, uh, thank you everybody for coming out and, and joining us uh, tonight and, and uh, listen to me talk about something that I, I know nothing about. <laughs> And, and that's uh, Zen 101. Um, the, the topic that I want to cover tonight is the, the Buddhist concept of, of no self, um, mostly because it's probably the most challenge. I find it one of the most challenging concepts in, in Buddhism. So I wanted to, uh, you know, set the bar for uh, failure really high so that whoever gives these talks <laughs> after me uh, will be relieved that at least they didn't do as bad a job as as I did uh, it, taking on a, a topic that's so thorny and and failing so miserably so in 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 the discussion tonight I hope to uh, first of all give a bit of an introduction about myself um, which is ironic given that my topic is no self, uh, and then uh, sort of recap how this topic ties into what Sean discussed in our last Zen 101 uh, uh, talk, go through the, the concept of no self, and then finally, um, how I think the idea of, of no self, how practicing this, this concept uh, can lead to um, uh, uh, greater compassion for others. And, and I hope that I can at least give some practical um, uh, applications for this, this concept, that it's not just some uh, uh, philosophical idea that Buddhists like to play with that doesn't really have any meaning in the, in the real world. I, I hope that I can impart uh, some sort of real world application of the concept to, to the group tonight. Uh, let me just first say um, that I'm I, I'm incredibly nervous <laughs> in in giving this talk, and, and and for two reasons. The first of all, like I I feel like I have absolutely no business uh, giving a talk about Zen Buddhism. I've been practicing for a very short amount of time, and uh, uh, I. This is really out of my comfort zone. I, I generally like to talk about things that I have a little bit more knowledge about. Um, the, the, the second reason is that as a politician, I am very unused to speaking my own words. Usually I have staff who, who write speeches for me. <laughs> so so uh, winging it is uh, something that also puts me uh, out of my comfort zone. But uh, finally, and, and most importantly, um, uh, I do want to say that the people in this group have come to mean a lot to me over the past few months that we've been sitting together. Uh, and, and I really hope that uh, what I have to say tonight imparts some meaning and value to you because 
everybody here in this group has really brought meaning and, and value to me over the last uh, few months we've been sitting together. And I want to thank everybody uh, for, for being a really important part of my life uh, over the last few months. So I, I hope that this talk is a, is a way to return the favor in, in some small way. Um, so I, I said that I'd recap the, uh, the talk that uh, Sean provided us last week or last month rather. And uh, if you remember, Sean went, covered some of the history of Buddhism, but also focused on, on the Four Noble Truths. And my understanding of the Four Noble Truths as he presented it is that the first noble truth is that life is marked by suffering. Uh, the second is that the suffering has a cause. The third noble truth is that suffering can end. And then the fourth noble truth is that the end of suffering is achieved by following the Noble Eightfold Path. And um, one of the elements of the Noble Eightfold Path is, is this concept of right view, uh, that by seeing the world clearly, we will have a better understanding of, uh, uh, of our life and, and what it means to ex exist here in, in the world. And, and as a result, we'll be able to reduce our suffering. And, and one important element of right view is this, is this concept of, of no self. And what, what do people mean when they mean that there is no self? Uh, as far as I understand it, it means that uh, the, the, the person that we think we are isn't really what exactly we think it is. People have gone, people go through life being told and telling themselves, telling ourselves that I am a, an enduring and a separate entity walking on this earth with other enduring and, and separate entities. And that because I'm me and I'm not you, uh, we, are, we are separate and, and, and apart from each other. And it was the Buddha's view that this view of, uh, of ourselves and, and each other was wrong and that holding this view led to, to, to great suffering. And he refuted this view by um, presenting this idea that people are made up of the five aggregates or five skandhas. And uh, the five skandhas, and just as an aside, one of the reasons that I, uh, I feel comfortable with Buddhism is that there are so many lists. <laughs> I love making lists and I love reading lists. Uh, so this is one, one element of Buddhism that, that really appeals to me. And, uh, but anyway, back to the, the five skandhas. So each person is made up of these aggregates and they are form. So... I understand that to mean the, the, the physical form that our bodies take. Uh, the second is feeling. And my understanding of this is not feelings like, oh, I'm feeling kind of blue or I'm feeling very happy today, but these are physical feelings. So, so pain, things like hot and cold, those, those kinds of feelings. That's my understanding of what they're talking about when they talk about the skanda of feeling. 
Um, the third skanda is perceptions. So the things that we see and hear and smell and, and, and taste and touch. The fourth is mental formations. And in that category are all of our, our thoughts and feelings, the, the kinds of things that uh, regularly go on in our, our heads. And then the fifth uh, skanda is consciousness. So the fact that, that we are aware that we are people, right? And that, that we exist, that is the, the, this idea of, of, of consciousness. So those are the, those are the five skandhas. And in one of his early discourses, and I, I understand that it was the second discourse after, uh, Buddha's first discourse on the Four Noble Truths, he, he identified this idea of non-self and he went through uh, a mental exercise with his disciples and he, he, he challenged people. He said, well, okay, if, if you are you and you are in control of you, then you, know, you should be able to say that your body is, takes such and such a form. Right. And, and of course, we all know that, that that's not true. We don't have any control over over our bodies. Uh, you know, as one of the classic examples, I'd, I'd like to like my hair. Look at look at this mess. <laughs> you know, I uh, I would love to do something with it, but I, I can't uh, other than shave it off or let it grow long. Like there is very little control that I have over my hair. And if there were, if, if I were truly in charge of myself, I would be able to do something about this. And the true, the, the same thing is, is true with feelings. You know, um, uh, I would like to walk out into an Edmonton winter and, and not feel cold. And for our friends in California, um, I know that cold is a theoretical concept, but trust me, it's unpleasant when, <laughs> when you feel cold. Uh, and I would like to be able to go outside and, and, and not feel that. But unfortunately, I don't have control over that aspect of my existence either. The, the one about perceptions is, is really interesting as, as well, because not only do we not have control over the things that we do uh, sense, and, and I, I would say that we do have some control over the things that we see, uh, but, um, it, you know, the, the things that we hear, right? Like, uh, for example, so I, I'll give you a, an example from my own life. Um, I used to live in a house that was along a busy road. And when I told somebody that I, uh, that I lived along this busy road, they said, oh, doesn't the sound of traffic bother you? And up until that point, I'd never noticed it. I'd never heard the traffic in my house. And then from that moment on, that was all that I heard while I was living in that house. So just bringing in that awareness, right? Like I, I didn't even know that I was hearing this traffic until somebody pointed that out to me. So, uh, you know, not only do we not have control over the things that we do sense, we also don't have a lot of control over the things that we we don't sense and, and touch is one particular aspect, right? Like we don't, uh, our, our, our bodies are subjected to so many per, um, sense stimulus all the time that our brains can't possibly process it all at once, right? Like 
uh, I've got the taste of the water in my mouth that I just drank. And I've, I've got clothes all over my body that is touching me. And if, if I were consciously aware of all of these sense perceptions all the time, it would overload my brain. And so our brains automatically sort out a lot of these perceptions. And so we don't even really have control over the things that we aren't perceiving either. Uh, mental formations, thoughts and feelings. Uh, I mean, this, this is one that I think, um, I, I, I hope I'm not alone in, in, in that it's not really until we sit down and, and meditate that we realize that we aren't in control of our thoughts, that these things come and go, that our brains just secrete thoughts the way stomach, uh, a stomach secretes uh, digestive juices, you know, uh, that, that we don't have a whole lot of control over the things we think. And we certainly don't have a lot of control over the, the, the emotions that we feel. Certainly, if I did, I would not be feeling as nervous as I am right now, giving this, this presentation. And then finally, consciousness. You know, we, we are aware, but that's not also within our control. So the Buddha got, went through this exercise, right, pointing this out to his disciples that uh, because we are made up of these aggregates and they are not in our control, it's not really correct to say that we are not ourselves. He also reinforced it by suggesting that none of these things are permanent either, right? Our, our, our bodies change over time. You know, at, there's an old joke. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember who said it, but it was a comedian who was talking about how he wanted to lose weight. And he said, you know, I want to get back to my original weight of eight pounds, eight ounces. <laughs> <laughs> that just you know reinforces how much our, our bodies change over time our, our feelings change over time uh, the things that we that we perceive right are uh, change over time our, our our eyesight we lose our eyesight we can lose our hearing if we get sick with covid maybe we lose our sense of smell those things change over time our mental formations change significantly over time you know the things that i think and feel change rapidly from, from moment to moment, day to day. Uh, and the things that I think now are, are very different from the things that I, I thought uh, years and years ago. And finally, consciousness, uh, you know, that's, that's also impermanent. Um, uh, that one's, a, I'm grappling with that one. I, I'm not entirely sure uh, what the impermanence of consciousness means, but I take it on faith that the Buddha was correct by suggesting that those things were, were impermanent. Um, so, you know, I, I started off my, my talk by reminding us that, um, that, that this idea of no self is part of the right view uh, that's part of the Eightfold Path that is the end to suffering. And I think that, when, when, we real, when we sit down and, and realize that, that there's, no there's no person behind all of these aggregates, um, it's a lot easier to let go of the things that really bother us, maybe about ourselves, first of all, right? Like, it, um, you know, to, 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 to go back to this idea of uh, not having control over our bodies. Well, we we get messages from popular culture, from from media every day that 
that our bodies are not adequate. Uh, we're all told that and we're all shown images of people that we should be aspire to be and, and uh, images of what we should look like. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't have control over those things. So that's, um, that kind of realization can, can maybe free us from this expectation that, that we're constantly bombarded with in, in our culture. The, the, the one particular area I think um, uh, that 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 has that I that I've really benefited from this real uh, this this idea of no self is is with the idea of mental formations and um, I I have long suffered from uh, anxiety depression and and suicidal ideation those are things that have plagued me for a long time and uh, um, you know what the idea that that these thoughts are me was really what caused a lot of suffering related to these ideas of of, of anxiety and depression and, and suicidal ideation and and in fact you know when I was really at my at my lowest point uh, it was it was hard to argue with the thought that you know I should I should take my own life and, and not be here anymore. And um, uh, anyway, that's, um, realizing that I am not the one responsible for that thought, that there's no me there that's thinking that this is something that I have to do, really freed me from, uh, from the grip that that thought had over me. Uh, for for a very long time. That's not to say that I don't continue to have those thoughts, but now when those thoughts happen to me, I can observe them uh, from from a, a, a sense of distance. Right? It's like that's that's not me. I'm not. That's just my brain. That is just my. Those are just mental formations that are coming, and and I don't have to take them seriously. They're there. Uh, but they don't have the kind of grip that that they had on me in, in, in the past. So realizing that, I think it's easy to develop the kind of compassion for ourselves. But I also see that it's easy that it makes it easier to develop compassion for others, because if I'm not in control of the way that I think and feel and and look and and the things that I see. I have to realize that everybody else is in the same boat, that the other people that uh, are in my life also don't have the same control over the things that they think and see and feel. Uh, and and uh, the, the, the way that their bodies present in the world, right? Which is, which is incredibly helpful. Um, for, you know, particularly in, in my line of work. So I'm a, I'm a dirty, dirty politician and <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly surrounded by people who, you know, the political system is set up so that it reinforces this idea of the self, right? I'm, I'm, I'm me, like I belong to my political party because I, I don't belong to the other guy's political party. Right, that is the 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 basis of our system, 
and that create that has created so much suffering in in my own life like i'm i'm constantly in a situation at work where i i i am in a battle with the other and it's created a a, a lot of difficulty for me and you know i don't i don't expect any sympathy and nor nor will i get any because uh um Politicians genuinely are generally rank below used car salesmen and turn and dentists is, in terms of popularity for for professions. Um, but it, it it it's it's had an impact in my life, and I I carry this suffering around with me, and it makes it very difficult to uh, interact with with my friends and family and 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 loved ones when I'm constantly reinforced with idea this idea that. I am a separate self from all of the other people that I that I interact with in a day. And that's one one task that I've set for myself is to is to continually remind myself that I am when you know when I'm at work I am I'm not me and the people who are opposite me or or surrounding me are are not them if that makes sense. It doesn't make sense, but it 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 helps me realize that uh, it, it it helps me let go a lot of the anger, the, a lot of the hatred that I feel, um, and and it makes me better able, I think, to to do my to do my job. Um, and and I, you know, I I think that while my circumstances are unusual, right? I I think that that's the sense that we are surrounded by others who are not us is something that a lot of people feel these days. Um, we, we definitely see a lot of uh, division and, and anger and, and hatred. Uh, and, you know, you only have to look at somebody's Facebook comments online or the replies on Twitter and, and, and the, the hatred that people spew is, is breathtaking. And I think that it, it, a, a lot of it comes from this, reinforcement of this sense of self that I'm, I'm me and you are you and, and we are we are completely separate and, and often opposed. And, and I think that by breaking down this idea of self, we can have compassion for ourselves, have compassion for each other, and, uh, and, and treat us, treat, treat each other with, with the kindness and, and compassion that, that we all deserve, you know, uh, uh, that was, I think I've run out of time. I can't, I, so, you know, normally when, when we're meeting in the legislature, there's a, a timer that goes off at 20 minutes and we just talk until the, the buzzer goes, <laughs> the buzzer goes and then we sit down. Uh, there's, there's no timer here and, and it's hard to find a natural end. Um, anyway, I, I really appreciate everybody uh, listening to me and, and, I really hope that we get a little bit of time to have a discussion. I would, I'm really interested to know if what I had to say had any, any meaning or value or ask, happy to answer any questions or, yeah, I'm genuinely interested in constructive uh, feedback on, on the things that I had to say tonight. So I'm really looking forward to the discussion that we can have. Thank you. Wow. Thanks, Marlon. That was a, what a great talk. So, um, yeah, 
I I have something, but I'll save it because uh, we'll open up the we'll open up the phone lines here to to uh, <laughs> to something I wanna. So just uh, there's not very many of us, so just just unmute yourself if you wanna say something. Aaron, <clears throat> can can you put everybody on screen so we can see everybody? Oh, who, um, who are you, who are you asking that to Jenna? I was asking Ryugan if he could take you off the big screen and put everybody up so we could all see each other. If you go to the top right hand, there's a view button and you just choose gallery. Cause I think he took off his screen sharing. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> First of all, Marlon, what a wonderful uh, discussion for someone who has not been studying for very long. Um, you really nailed it about uh, no self. So um, just a thank you so much for your insights and for sharing your personal journeys um, and, and being vulnerable with all of us here. That's um, very refreshing and, and appreciated. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you very much for a, a wonderful, wonderful talk. Um, thank you. Marlon, thank you. It was a beautiful, Beautiful speech. Uh, really appreciated all your thoughts and and it struck a chord with me. You did a very good job. Very good. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Marlon. Thank you. Thank you. Uh oh, did you freeze? Oh dear, <laughs> Joe froze. That's in gas show. It's a beautiful posture. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you too. Like, what a wonderful introduction to your group. Um, and I really loved how you um made some of those sort of deep insights, uh, how, how you turn them into something practical. It's really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, that was excellent, Marlon. You know, when you were, when you were talking about some of the, some of the more painful aspects in terms of, you know, things that, that people deal with, and thank you for your vulnerability and and talking about that and and how this this particular teaching has has um, maybe changed the way that you that you that you do look at some things. Um, you know, I was reminded actually of something that Tracy said from from our from her talk a couple a week or so ago, um, where she she referenced um, Thich Nhat Hanh's um, poem, "Call Me by My True Names." And if um, if you haven't read his book. The Art of Living. Uh, he actually expands upon it. And in particular, uh, so this particular 
peace, no self, you know, I kind of thought that I had an intellectual hold on, but then he told the story because he used to, he worked um, helping the Vietnamese boat people. Um, and he spent after the Vietnam war and uh, he tells the story in the poem, but then he expands upon it in the book about, um, you know, the circumstance of the, the sea pirates used to go in and they used to, used to rob the people that were, um, you know, that were in the boats. And he tells the story of the sea pirate that raped the 12 year old girl. And then the 12 year old girl jumped into the ocean afterwards, she committed suicide. And he uses that and he, <laughs> he uses that in a way to that, that story to bring out this, this talk that you've, the, the theme of the talk that you, you brought out tonight and you brought it up from a very personal level of, um, you know, the, the immediate reaction, you know, in our society is to, you know, to, you know, to blame the, the sea pirate as the other and, you know, empathizing with, with the 12 year old um, girl. And um, he shocked me um, by, you know, his, his discussion. I am also the sea pirate. Um, in addition to being, I am also the 12 year old girl. And um, it just, uh, what you said to struck, struck a chord with me in terms of, uh, you know, your discussion, your application of for yourself, you know, um, you know, with your own thoughts and, and feelings that came up, but also the application and in your work. Um, and I just want to, I just want to thank you for that. So, yeah. Marlene, just want to say thank you so much. That's a wonderful one-on-one -on -one session with such accuracy and your, also your uh, bravery and openness and vulnerability and being in where you're standing. I, I can only imagine, um, you know, but uh, I, I, I have a, a tr like I truly have this respect to you. Um, I, you know, I cannot even begin to imagine this weight that you are bearing on your shoulders. But like I said before, I, I try to do how, how is this even practical, this, this Buddhist, this Zen thing? How is it even practical in the social setting? And I, you know, well, thanks to the influence from American Zen Buddhism, I gave it a shot. I miserably failed. That experience of failure, at least I remember, and it's not nothing compared to where you are standing, but in a small municipal level, people come up with their voices and then that can have a power to blind us. I think your talk tonight was really relevant to what's happening in the world now uh, with uh, Ukraine and Russia. Um, so no, thank you very much, Ali. Thank you. Thank you, Gilkey. Marlon, I don't know you at all, but I, outside of this group, I just want to say that I'm really glad to know that you're a politician. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, that, that makes one of us, Nathan, but thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, uh, 
I really appreciate, you know, um, one of the things that uh, has become apparent to me is that um, uh, online relationships are, are just as important as, as in real life relationships. You know, uh, you and, and other people on the call, um, I've, never, I've never met in, in, in person. Uh, and yet, like I said at the, at the very beginning, you've all come to mean a great deal to me. And, and uh, so thank you for that. You know, Marlene, I just uh, was kind of well, when you're making this, you know, when you're sharing the experience of this uh, anxiety and suicidal thought. One thing that I, I, I guess I didn't realize much was that person who, in general public, would consider with some. I don't know, authority or power, or maybe even just the fame, like celebrities on TV, people start to somehow think they're just exempt mm -hmm. from this basic human decency, like decency or some, that they're they exempt from being hurt, that somehow they're outside of this. One thing I, I you know, really appreciate in Buddhism is that there isn't anyone exempt and that everybody has this equal share of suffering. So I, that part of the talk you shared with us tonight really um, resonated. And uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. I, you know, you know, Gyoki, I, I think that um, if I could just respond to what you're saying, the, the, the attitude that I have to the other, you know, my opponents in the political arena, I, I, I'm often not willing to give them that, that decency. You know, I, I treat them exempt, even though I'm in their same role, right? Like I, I don't often see them as whole human beings in their own right. And, and that practice, that habit then extends onto, onto me, you know, so if I if I don't treat those others in 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 a way that, um, that you know I I don't treat myself that way as well and and so it's it's poisonous for everybody. I, that's been my hard but true experience uh, in, in that. So. Uh. <clears throat> I can say the same thing too. I work for the organization Institution of Soto Zen, famous and infamous. Some people are very respectful. Many who are, I know there are many who don't even give a crap about it. <laughs> it's, you know, and I totally get it. And so I, I stand in their middle. Just over this weekend, I had a trip, and then this feeling of something doesn't resonate something is not right about being around these people it always comes back to me you know but i'm an official or just an official nominal um then then kind of experience like this again you know reminds me of how important it is to have a genuine group a community um 
But then today's talk. Oh, sang. Oh, yeah, sang. <laughs> And I try not to think that okay, because this is genuine. Therefore, these people are again exempt. I mean, they are formed of everything, but whatever I conceive of them as they are. So just knowing where they come from, the function they play, the responsibility they have. And there are many great qualities and things that I try to ignore. But yeah, thank you. I, I, I need it. I guess, I'm sorry, I'll stop it here. I, I appreciate it, especially today after. Well, th thank you everyone for being such a, a a good group to to learn from and and uh, to learn uh, you know to to work with uh, all the time and unfortunately i 